What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKean. This is Top Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actor Colin Farrell and the British TV series Peaky Blinders. But first, let's talk about actor Colin Farrell. For me, at the start of Colin Farrell's career, he was making interesting movies that were making a lot of money, like Minority Report. I mean, he teamed with Steven Spielberg, a great director. He co-starred with Tom Cruise, and I just watched that movie recently, and that movie still holds up. I think it's one of the best science fiction movies of the past 20 years. Then, the same year Minority Report comes out, another Colin Farrell movie, Phone booth comes out. This movie is so ridiculously early 2000s. It's directed by Joel Schumacher, the guy who directed Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, two of the not so great Batman movies. But Phone Booth is kind of an interesting watch. Like it's one of those movies you're glad that they went for. Like it doesn't hold up at all, but still how reminiscent it is of the early 2000s is quite hilarious. And Colin Farrell is actually pretty good in this movie. Phone Booth Farrell does what most movie stars are supposed to do. He he is better than the movie itself. Like, he carries a silly movie with a silly premise. But yet, Colin Farrell, like most movie stars, again, outperform the movie they are in. He makes you want to watch Phone Booth. I mean, it's a quick watch. It was only like 90 minutes. It's fast-paced. It's kind of action-packed in a weird way. Again, it's one of those movies you'll never see again, but you're also happy that it sort of exists. I feel like most young actors, Colin Farrell got absorbed by movie stardom. I mean, he was in a few duds in a row. Mainly SWAT, Daredevil, and Miami Vice. These movies are not good. They're blockbuster flicks that are just out there to make money. Particularly interesting in any of these movies, he doesn't give great performances. I mean, I watch Daredevil still because I like the movie at the time, but it doesn't hold up. His bullseye is kind of silly. The Daredevil Netflix series bullseye is a lot better. Like, none of those movies, again, it happens with most actors. He's just in bigger movie after bigger movie. He's the lead. He becomes a boring lead character. That's what Hollywood turns young, aspiring young actors into. Boring lead characters in not-so-memorable films. Like, Miami Vice, sorry, is not good at all. Even though Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell have become great actors since, that movie is not good. Growing up, I wasn't that big of a Colin Farrell fan. To me, he was just a boring, dull movie star. And then In Bruges happens. He teams up with Martin McDonough, a great writer-director. Brendan Gleeson is in that movie. And Colin Farrell goes from boring movie star to great actor. All of a sudden, he gives out great performance after great performance. I mean, if you watch In Bruges and you're not a fan of what Colin Farrell does in that movie, I'm sorry. We don't like the same kind of movies. He's interesting. That's what Colin Farrell learned to be. He learned to be interesting. Instead of the boring lead in a movie like SWAT, he turns in a great performance in In Bruges, and he's rewarded with a Golden Globe. You can be interesting and still make a popular movie. In Bruges is popular and it artistically holds up. He's also become a guy who's become a great supporting actor in movies where he has seen stealing moments. I mean, just look at the comedy Horrible Bosses. Jason Bateman is fantastic in this movie. Jason Sudeikis and Charlie Day are also all-time funny in this movie. But the best performance in this movie is Colin Farrell playing the most horrible of the Horrible Bosses. He is 
is laugh out loud hysterical as Jason Sudeikis is boss. The scenes with him and Sudeikis are the best parts of that movie. And just to see Colin Farrell in it was shocking, surprising. It made me so happy that it was Colin Farrell giving that kind of performance because I had never seen anything like that from him before. He can be funny in a movie. And again, he's seen stealing from one of the best comedians around in Jason Sudeikis. Then he reteams with Martin McDonough for the dark comedy Seven Psychopaths. I mean, again, Colin Farrell is an interesting leading character in this movie that also has Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, and Christopher Walken. I mean, in this movie, Farrell plays a screenwriter named Martin. It is the perfect satire of what it's like to be a Hollywood screenwriter. I mean, he's a writer who usually writes these dark, violent movies, and he wants to see less violence in his movies. I mean, this movie is dark, but it's also really, really funny, and Farrell gives a great performance. There's one movie I saw, and I thought to myself, wow, Colin Farrell has become a great actor, and it is Saving Mr. Banks. It is the movie about P.L. Travers, the woman who wrote the Mary Poppins movies and in this movie Tom Hanks is also in it and he plays Walt Disney but the best performance in this movie is Colin Farrell as P.L. Travis's father who's dealing with alcoholism his performance in this movie is one of the best supporting performances I've ever seen I mean you feel so bad for his character I mean, in a movie that starred Tom Hanks, Emma Thompson, Paul Giamatti is also in this movie, Colin Farrell gives the best performance of this movie, and that's when I realized, wow, this guy is one of the best actors. He can be so funny in a movie like Horrible Bosses and be so good in a dramatic movie like Saving Mr. Banks. In neither of those movies is he the lead character, yet when I watch those movies, I count the minutes to when Colin Farrell is on screen because I cannot get enough of him in both of those movies. Then, Farrell works with another great director in Yorgos Lanthimos. And like Martin McDonough, they've made two films together. Farrell has been in The Lobster and The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And both of these movies are so odd, dark, and absurd. I mean, The Lobster with Rachel Weisz is one of the weirdest romantic movies you'll ever see. And The Killing of a Sacred Deer is one of the most horrific horror films of this past decade. It is terrifying. And his scenes in that movie with Barry Keegan are intense. Colin Farrell has also proven he can still be in big blockbuster movies and be interesting in them. Just look at Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. He is the villain of that first movie. He fits in well with that cast, Eddie Redmayne, Ezra Miller, who he has a lot of his scenes with in that movie. Farrell fits in perfectly with that movie. He plays the villain who you don't realize is a villain until near the end of that movie. I think the sequel would have done better if Colin Farrell were still the villain and not Johnny Depp. The reveal that it was Johnny Depp was maybe the worst thing that could have happened to that franchise because I think even though most people think Johnny Depp is a better actor, I think right now Colin Farrell should have been the villain of the second movie. He sort of remained as Grindelwald. I also thought Farrell was fantastic in the heist movie Widows directed by Steve McQueen. I mean, he just fits so perfectly as a supporting character in these kind of movies. He's also great in Roman J. Israel, Esquire, a film where he goes toe-to-toe with Denzel Washington. I mean, this movie did not do very well besides the fact that Denzel was nominated for an Oscar, but I thought Colin Farrell was, again, interesting in this supporting role. 
I think what this resurgence of Colin Farrell has proven is that he doesn't fit well with those main bland blockbusters that I talked about earlier on in this podcast. He works better in these dark films directed by auteurs like Martin McDonough, like Yorgos Lanthimos, and can still be in studio movies if he's playing an interesting character, which is what I think he's doing in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and in Widows. I just don't think Colin Farrell should be the lead of a boring studio movie, and I don't want anyone to be the lead of a boring studio movie. Colin's career is going to last a lot longer. Now that he's become a great actor and not just a boring movie star who I know the name of. Like, I would not have continued to pay attention to Colin Farrell's career if he did not start to make interesting and unique choices. But he has, and so I think he's one of the best living actors. And whether he's in a movie for 20 minutes or the whole two hours, I am probably going to watch that movie just because Colin Farrell is in it. I mean, I'm super excited for him to be playing the Penguin in the upcoming Batman movie directed by Matt Reeves. I mean, that cast is so out there. I mean, Paul Dano as the Riddler, but Colin Farrell is going to do something really interesting with the Penguin. Like, I have full faith that Colin Farrell is going to redeem his other comic book movie, Daredevil, where he was Bullseye. I'm sorry again, that didn't work out for me. I think he'll be a way better comic book villain this time around as the Penguin, and I cannot wait for that performance. I think it's going to be mind-blowing, I think it's going to remind people who've been ignoring what Colin Farrell has done in smaller movies these past decade, it's going to return him to movie stardom, but this time around, it will last because he's become a great actor. He's one of those guys I fully expect to win an Oscar in the next decade. He's going to be in one of those movies, and you're like, Colin Farrell, just give him the Oscar now. The list of the Colin Farrell movies I definitely recommend you check out. Minority Report, Phone Booth, In Bruges, The Way Back, Horrible Bosses, Seven Psychopaths, Saving Mr. Banks, The Lobster, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Roman J. Israel, Widows, Dumbo, and The Gentleman, a movie I will be talking about on an upcoming podcast. Check out these movies so that you can understand how good an actor Colin Farrell really is. Now let's switch gears and talk about the British TV series Peaky Blinders starring Killian Murphy. Here's a quick synopsis. Thomas Shelby is the leader of a group of British gangsters in Birmingham known as the Peaky Blinders, made up mostly of his family members. This show is phenomenal. I've been watched all five seasons of it. I've seen all 30 hours of it. It is phenomenal. And the biggest thing I've enjoyed about this show is Killian Murphy. Like, I had no idea how good an actor Killian Murphy is. I knew him from movies like Inception and Batman Begins. I knew him as a supporting actor in Christopher Nolan movies like Dunkirk, and I've always appreciated his work, and I've never known how good an actor he is until I watched Peaky Blinders. He is compelling. He is fascinating. The choices, the walk of his character, the voice, like everything about his character is so great and phenomenal, and it's all because of Killian Murphy. Like, I could not imagine another actor being as good in this show as Killian Murphy. Like, he is a powerful presence on screen. 
I mean, to think the same guy who was the lead of the movie 28 days later can give a performance like this is insane. And it's why I love actors that that's that Killian Murphy is capable of being both of those things. Again, the guy from 28 days later is Thomas Shelby. That's nuts character of Thomas Shelby is one of the best characters on television this past decade. He's a gangster with a heart of gold. He cares about his family, but he also has an unbelievable lust for power. I mean, I just want Killian Murphy to play this character for another decade. That's how good he is. How does this guy not have an Emmy Award, any award for playing this character? It is the best TV character I've seen in forever. And it's all based on the performance. You also have Paul Anderson who plays Arthur, Tommy's brother. He's fantastic. He's the heavy while Tommy is the brains of the operation. He loves the violence and being a gangster way more than Tommy does. And I was thinking about this as I watched the show. I think the dynamic between Tommy and Arthur are like that of Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci in a Martin Scorsese gangster movie. Well, Robert De Niro is the boss. Joe Pesci is the one doing all the dirty work. And that's what I think Tommy is. He's the boss of the operation, while Arthur is the one doing all of the dirty work. Tommy is obsessed with being like the king of it all, while Arthur is obsessed with the actual violence and just the doing. He is getting the thrill out of being a gangster, while Tommy only sees it as an ends to a mean. Then you have Helen McCrory as Polly, who is fantastic. I mean, at sometimes she's Tommy's closest advisors, and at other times she questions his motives and wonders how much he actually cares about the Shelby family since he returned from war. Like, she realizes this is isn't the Tommy before World War One. This isn't the same guy. He's changed since coming back from the war. World War One, that is. And she might not agree with Tommy's methods or his motives, but she knows he's the guy who should be the leader of the family right now. He can get them on top no matter what. Another thing I love about this show is the use of movie stars as supporting characters. I mean, this show has used Sam Neill, famous for the Jurassic Park movies, Tom Hardy, who of course has worked with Killian Murphy before in Inception and the Batman movie Dark Knight Rises, Adrian Brody is in this movie, an Oscar winner, Sam Claflin from The Hunger Games, Anna Taylor-Joy from The Witch is in this movie. They're all brilliant. They go for it. They all fit the tone of the show, and it gets you excited for the possibility of who could join the cast later on. I mean, right now, there is a rumor that Julia Roberts might be joining season six of Peaky Blinders. Just the fact that that might happen gets me excited, and the fact that that's a distinct possibility, because clearly, movie stars are fascinated by the show. I was reading an article that Brad Pitt wanted a part in Peaky Blinders, and that's kind of believable because of how good the show is and how well these movie stars have fit in with this show. I mean, Tom Hardy especially, his scenes with Killian Murphy, I just want 40 hours of them on screen together. I mean, there's also talks of actor Stephen Graham joining the show in season six. I mean, he's really great in movies like Gangs of New York, Snatch, and of course, The Irishman. I mean, just the fact that this show can basically bring on whoever they want at this point because of how well the show is done ratings-wise is great, and I like seeing movie stars. 
stars on television. They get to do interesting things. Like, I've never seen Adrian Brody do an accent like that until he was on Peaky Blinders. I'm here for it. They're entertaining. They're big names. And they get you excited for the show. And they, again, to see them go toe-to-toe with Killian Murphy, I mean, the fact that Killian Murphy has worked with all of these actors on this show is pretty great. I mean, Murphy's gone toe-to-toe as adversaries, basically with Sam Neill, Sam Claflin, and Adrian Brody at points of this show. That's what I'm here for. Movie stars going at each other on TV. Who doesn't want that? That's what this show has to offer. That's why people should pay attention to what's going on in Peaky Blinders, because movie stars are obviously attracted to this material. And one of the biggest reasons why is Stephen Knight, who is one of the best TV writers. He knows how to entertain and understands that the next season of the show has to be bigger than the last. He also knows how to build momentum throughout a season of a show. The dialogue is captivating. He gives the characters these tremendous monologues that feel so self-important and entertaining. Fun fact, he also co-created Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I mean, this guy is fascinating, and he's also a brilliant writer. I mean, the fact that each season he's writing all six episodes and they're getting more interesting and captivating, he definitely knows the arc of where this character is going. And that's what makes good TV. He knows where it's headed. There's one voice. He has all the control. That's what's the issue with other movies and TV shows is they have all so many writers and so many creators. No, this is his vision. This is all from the mind of Stephen Knight. And thus far, he He has done a brilliant job in making this show one of the best I've seen. The use of music in this show is perfect. It gets you excited. It's a fixture of the show. It's part of why this show stands out. There have been a ton of shows and movies about conflicted gangsters, but none about a British war hero who has PTSD. That's what makes this show unique, is the arc of this character of Thomas Shelby. I mean, throughout the series. He has helped the British government catch guys he deem as bad. Clearly, this character has morals. He cares about the world. He wants to be on top and he'll do whatever it takes for him to reach there. But there is a level to his evilness. Like, he's been a war hero. He's been in the trenches. He had one of the worst jobs during World War One, And he hasn't recovered from that. He has PTSD so you feel bad for him. As a viewer, you're hoping for redemption. You hope he can step down from being a gangster and become a loving father and a husband and have a good life after what he's been through. You feel he's had a rough life. All that stuff about him being a gangster is exciting, it's thrilling, it gets you excited for the show. But what really grabs you in, what gets me, what gets me invested in this show is that I care about the fate of Thomas Shelby. Because deep down, I think he's a good person. I mean, some of that gangster stuff wears off. If you're watching a show or a movie, you're like, I get it. This character's a gangster. There's no redeeming quality. With Thomas Shelby, there is a redeeming quality. No matter what villainous act he does next, I think there's some good in Thomas Shelby, and I will watch the series until it ends, and I'm rooting for Thomas Shelby to have a redemption. 
And if I didn't care about that character, there's no way I would watch it. Honestly, there's very few shows I feel this strongly about. It has this, like, element that it feels like a movie as you're watching it. I mean, I mean, each season is only six episodes, so it's six hours. It is so entertaining. It is so binge-watchable. Like, I could not stop watching episodes. I could watch four in one day. That's how entertaining Peaky Blinders is. And it's the type of the show where each season gets better. Like, most shows after season three or whatever, you're like, okay, I get what this show is. I don't need to keep going. Peaky Blinders grabs your interest and keeps going to that next level. I definitely recommend you check out Peaky Blinders because Killian Murphy is absolutely killing it on this show. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on actor Colin Farrell and the TV series Peaky Blinders. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on comedic actress Jenny Slate and the movie Bad Education starring Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. So tune into that. And by order of the Peaky Blinders, rate, review, and subscribe. 